Dramatic Brain Injury Recovery. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Gardner, and I talk about traumatic brain injury recovery. And today I'm pleased to be speaking with brain injury survivor, Cheryl. Welcome, Cheryl. Hello, Dr. Gardner. When was your brain injury and what was your life like before the injury? My brain injury was on January 31st, 2017. And prior to that, I was living with my husband and our cat. I was active in the community and my church, sang in the choir, enjoyed travel and music. I was also taking care of my elderly father. I had to leave my career prematurely because of my multiple sclerosis, but I was doing quite well before the incident. So you were having a fully engaged life the way it sounds. Absolutely. So tell me what problems did the brain injury result in? Well, I was flown by helicopter to the hospital and was placed in an induced coma on life support with traumatic brain injuries, skull fractures, hemorrhaging and fluid in my brain, sutures covering the back of my head, an ICP, ICP bolt drilled through my skull, and I also had a stroke while in the coma. So this was a very serious brain injury. Extremely, they did not know if I would survive. Wow, how long were you in that induced coma? It was nine days before I started coming to, um, and even after they took me off life support, I did not wake up, so it was very touch and go. But as you see, I eventually did. Tell me, after emerging from the coma, what were the initial symptoms and problems well, a lot of cognitive issues. I have no memory of the incident whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't answer just basic questions they gave me. Um, I had excruciating headaches. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I had to relearn to do everything when I woke up. It was like starting from scratch again. This is what I looked like while I was... Thank you for sharing that. This was me for nine days. That's a very dramatic photo, and it shows how far you've come since that injury. Absolutely. Well, what treatments helped you in your course of recovery? Well, initially, they sent me to inpatient rehabilitation, where I received physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And later on, on my own, I also saw a counselor to help me cope with my new normal. Mm -hmm. How did you find these resources? Well, they got my life back. The physical therapy helped me learn to walk and balance and gain strength and stand. My occupational therapy helped me to write and function and think and with problem solving. And my speech therapy helped me strengthen my breathing to project my voice and also with my processing speed, it was very slowed and it still is some, but it helped me increase that. So all of these treatments sound like they were very useful in the course of your recovery. Yes, they were an absolute necessity to get back to living. Tell me about some of the concerns, the fears, the anxieties you had after this accident. Well, would I ever be normal? Um, would I be able to think? Would I be able to walk, um, you know, remember? Uh, just just basic things. I had to relearn everything and they would come and um, they would ask the same question, for example, what year it is or what month it is or um, who's the president. 
And of course, I did not know those answers. Mm -hmm. But what they would do is tell me them. And then rather than remembering eventually, I just memorized their answers. Sure. So it helped me pass the quizzes that they kept giving me by repeated answers that I would learn that, you know, what the month was and year and who's the president and such. You were telling me about the concerns about your memory, how much recovery you would have. And what about concerns about relationships? Did that enter into your thinking? Well, it was hard. My, my husband, I joke with my husband, he did not leave me when I was in the coma. But when I came out of it, um, he left for periods and I had my days and nights mixed up. So he would say, I will be back first thing in the morning. And then I would get confused and ask the nurse, where's my husband? And they'd say, it's time for bed, Cheryl, you know, it's time to sleep. And I was just totally confused. Um, but I think the fact that he stuck with me and um, another example was, um, I don't have children, but I mentioned I have a cat. Yeah, well, my friends would, were with me and they would say, oh, Okie is missing you at home and she'll be glad to see you. And I was just laying in the bed thinking, what are they talking about? Do I have... I finally figured out to ask myself, do I have a cat? Mm -hmm. uh, he had given me a stuffed cat that I still sleep with to this day that kept me company, but I learned I actually have a real one too. Wow. Um, but I also deal with some depression and anxiety. Um, I think PTSD to some extent from the trauma that I went through. Um, when he walks in the room, I still jump, um, which was not the way I was prior to this. So when, you're really, talking about when your cat walks in the room? No, when my husband. <laughs> your husband walks in the room. What is that a reminder of, his entering the room? Even though I have no memory of being hit, um, um, I was walking across the street and a truck turned at a nearby intersection stop sign and struck me. And even though I can't remember that, I think somehow in my in the back of my psyche i must know that something terribly unexpected happened to me and um that is just how i'm reacting and so it's uh it is interesting to to wonder why that is the case because i don't have memory of it but yet i'm very very jumpy and nervous at times yeah well what's your experience now of walking across the street and driving in a car or riding in a car i still think of it every time um, although I'm driving locally, I'm still not driving on interstate. Mm -hmm. I'm not able to fly. Um, I think it is a reminder every time I, when my husband's driving and I'm a passenger, I'm also jumpy with that. If someone comes and is about to cross the street or a car is turning, I, you know, jump, which he's, he'll, his response is, I see them. But it's just a, a response that I don't have control over, that it's just, it scares me. Um, so even when you aren't aware that you're thinking this way, I truly am at all times, apparently, because... Yeah, it sounds like you've, there's you. a bit of you that's vigilant at all times, and, and yes. you feel, at those times, make you feel very, very vulnerable. Absolutely, and also they had said that I didn't use a crosswalk, but there was no crosswalk. So now if I'm crossing the street, um, I'm looking where is a crosswalk that I can go. But mm -hmm. even with that, it's not a guarantee, but, it, but um, I'm conscious of all those things. And 
and it's all that is elevated, heightened, heightened responses to those issues. Right, right. You said you had some counseling or therapy as well for some of the emotional results of this injury. What was the experience of the counseling? Well, since my profession was academic counseling and advising, um, you know, I, I, I know the I know the answers. I know what counselors should say when you're going through trauma. But at the same time, uh, two issues, one of which was that I was not able to find a counselor that specialized particularly in brain injury. And I think that's really would have been helpful for me. Right. So since I could not find that in the area, I went to a generic counselor. And while they were helpful, um, it it probably was not as specialized as I needed for my brain injury specifically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't optimal, I understand. Yes. Were they helpful with some of these fears about crossing the street and riding and flying? Um, we didn't really get into that. It was more um, just coping with my new normal and the adjustments that I've having to go through. Um, and also uh, some of the injustice I was not able to get any compensation for my medical expenses um, because there is a, a law in Virginia that the pedestrian only has to be 1% responsible. And so I think part of me was was dealing with that injustice, but I have mm-hmm. learned that, you know, that's part of life, you know, things are not always fair, but you need to go on and be thankful for what you have. Well, I want to hear about both. You, you mentioned dealing with the new me and also the injustice. But would you like to tell me about the new me? What's that like and what is it? Well, I already had multiple sclerosis and so had adjusted to life with a chronic illness. But brain injury takes it to a different level. And um, it really is a new normal. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing is what what I did to help adjust and get through that and things like getting trying to get back to my life, getting back to church, having a faith community, joining a support group, a brain injury support group really has made a difference to make you feel like you're not alone. Um, Well, Cheryl, tell me about the new me when you said new me. What's changed? What particular changes are you aware of? I think my processing is has slowed. Um, so my reaction time, sometimes someone will ask a, a question and it takes me a minute to digest the question and therefore to come up with the answer. Mm-hmm. So this interview is an example that I'm, I'm challenging that. Mm-hmm. Um, multitasking is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, being able to sleep has been disrupted, Mm -hmm. Um, adjusting with some PTSD, um, depression and anxiety from having gone through all that. Um, And you find ways to cope and and adjust to your new normal. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me what ways you found that have been the most helpful in, in coping with your new normal. Well, as mentioned, joining a support group is helpful um, and also getting back to your faith community if you have one or Mm -hmm. 
leaning on your family and friends, um, even if you're, I'm used to being a very independent person, but there are times in your life that we all need to lean on others, and it's an important time to do that. And know that that's a sign of strength, not weakness. Absolutely, Cheryl. I just want to underline what you said, because what I see in many people is a feeling of inadequacy or weakness if they allow themselves to get help from other people. And if they haven't been able or willing to do that prior to the injury, after the injury, it makes it much harder to find the community support, the spiritual support. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it's, it's something that will help the recovery. And another thing that I went back to is my gratitude journaling. And that has really made a significant difference in my life. Every day I write six, six things I'm grateful for because there's always, always something to be thankful for. Good for you. Cheryl, you mentioned the, the brain injury support and the spiritual support and the gratitude journaling. What other coping methods are you using? To feel like you're contributing, to find new ways. Um, and for me, that has been advocating for individuals that have gone through brain injury or for law changes or for safety with crosswalks for pedestrians. Um, I went to Capitol Hill and spoke to them a couple weeks ago um, on Brain Injury um, Awareness Day there in Virginia. And of course, um, I also was elected to serve on the Brain Injury Connections of the Shenandoah Valley Board mm -hmm. when we provide services and programs for people and their families that have suffered a, a traumatic brain injury. So uh, feeling like you have a purpose. I'm glad you mentioned that, Cheryl, because one of the worst positions in life to be in for anybody is feeling like you're helpless and passive and you have there's nothing you can do about it and what you've done is find some reasonable adaptive actions the advocacy with these different organizations to make meaning out of your life since the injury and also going back to most of the life you had before is important. For example, you know, as soon as I was able to go back to church or to um, go back to singing in the choir, um, the intubation affected my vocal cords. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, instead of being an alto, I now had to adjust to become a tenor to accommodate my lower range. Mm -hmm. But that's an example. But it's important that I tried and went back to these these activities in life. And right now I'm not able to fly, but I hope one day I can again to do additional travel. And in the meantime, you do more local activities that you can drive to. Right, so you're saying that you wanna fully use the capabilities that you now have. Yes, absolutely. With, with reasonable adaptation. In terms of meeting the challenges that you've had that resulted from the brain injury, what do you think you did well and what things would you have done differently? I think I would have spent less time and energy trying to get compensated uh, for my injuries and to help with my medical expenses. Um, I was not able to get that anyway, and it really did cause a great deal of stress and anxiety for me. I think I, I would have been served better if I had used that time and effort to focus on my recovery and healing. Um, it sounds like it was very exhausting and frustrating not to be able to get the justice that you were seeking. Yes. So, and, and now I can find new ways to do that um, through advocating for others. But um, 
that is one thing I probably would do differently. Um, what I would do the same, I think, um, when I was in the hospital and I'd just woken up, my husband said, what would you like me to bring you from home? And the two things I said was my cell phone and my gratitude journal. And when I tried to use it, um, I realized I couldn't yet write. But that's an example that already I was thinking, what can I do to get back to my life and to feel a sense of normalcy? And I think that was important to have that um, motivation to do that as you're recovering and adjusting to all the changes you're experiencing. Both very comforting outlets for you. Yes. Tell me what advice do you have for brain injury survivors and for family members and for healthcare treaters? To lean on those that are in your life, whether it be your family, your friends, your pastor, faith community, um, prayer, meditation, those kinds of things are impactful in your life, as well as joining a local brain injury support group so that you do feel like you're supported by others experience similar circumstances. And perhaps trying writing some things down you're thankful for, um, as that makes a significant difference in your life and helps you to focus on the positive instead of your losses. And so for the family members, you said patience is important, as well as for the survivors. Yes, absolutely. Be, be patient with yourself and with others, because especially when you look okay, you can't see the brain. And so there's a lot of things going on that it's even difficult for yourself to figure out and acknowledge, no less for a family member or loved one who doesn't understand what's going on inside your brain. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, a, it's a learning process for all involved. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that others, when you were during the course of recovery, were frustrated or annoyed when you didn't understand things as Sometimes. easily or didn't respond as quickly? Yes, um, or someone would repeat the question as if I didn't hear them initially. And the reality is I did hear them, but my brain was just taking a minute to process what they asked and what my answer was. And um, so I think communication is important to let, let your loved ones know that that is what's going on so they can understand so that maybe they are more patient or understanding as we're trying to better communicate with one another. Good advice. Now, how about advice for the healthcare treater? I think to treat the individual as a whole person, I think sometimes the physical consequences are addressed or um, the main focus when brain injury affects not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even financially. It affects a person as a whole and is lifelong. It sure is. One of the issues I'm aware of is that after an illness, including a brain injury, one has to deal with being dependent on other people, not having as much control over their body and their mind as they used to, and also the loss of capacity. So those are big challenges for anybody going through this. It certainly is. Um, I think what helped through my recovery is that I had practiced with that with my MS for many years. Um, and without that, I would have had to start from square one. You know, when you're used to being independent, um, I was a university academic advisor before I retired um, with my MS. 
you know, that was a big adjustment to not be able to work anymore. Um, some people, depending on your job, will be, will be able to get back to work. Um, I unfortunately already had to stop my career and that was an adjustment that I'd already gone through. Mm -hmm. So part of that, um, I was a step ahead and I think that did make a difference in making it a little easier as I was adjusting to all the changes and accepting the things that I could or could not do. But there's right. always ways to find new ways of doing things. And I think that's something to keep in mind, to keep your spirits up. And we're able to function. It might be in a different way, but we're still able to live a meaningful and full life. A purposeful, meaningful and full life. That's our goal. And that's the challenge after an injury like this. What else would you like to add? Well, one of the things that really helped me through my recovery is a saying that I was given. In case no one told you today, you're beautiful, you're loved, you're needed, you're alive for a reason, you're stronger than you think, you're going to get through this, I'm glad you're alive, don't give up. Our brains are amazingly resilient. Very inspirational. Thanks, Cheryl, for taking the time and speaking with me, and I wish you the best. Thank you very much. Please like, subscribe, and comment 